Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast, powered by the Believe Podcast Network. Believe has shows dedicated to all of your favorite L.A. sports teams. Our shows are available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Today I have Devin Ugland on the line to preview Southern California high school playoff basketball. Devin is a writer and scout at HoopsByUgland.com. We're so happy to have Devin here. This is the Believe in SoCal High School Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Morissette. Are you a fan of the Southern Section Open Division pool play that they're doing this year? Uh, four teams in each pool, and the two who come out on top play for the championship. Do you like that format? I think it's, there's positive and, positives and negatives to that format. Obviously, you know, a bracket-style play like they have done in the past is more, I don't know, exciting for fans, per se. Um, but for the teams, it makes more sense to do the uh, pool play format that they're doing this year because uh, – it gives more meaning to the three guaranteed games that teams are getting. They're not having as much time off prior to the state playoffs. And once teams go to that constellation bracket, um, like they have in the past, they kind of lose motivation because the games don't really mean anything. Whereas in pool play, it, it impacts your seating at whether you're an open division state team or your D one state team, it impacts seating in that way. So there are positives and negatives to both sides, but, uh, the pool play is a nice way to go about it this year, especially. Guys like Eric Sondheimer have tweeted out that he's talked to coaches and he's potentially worried that the pool play, it'll be so difficult on a lot of these kids that it could lead to poor performance in the state playoffs. Do you buy into that at all? No, I mean, here's my thing. If you're going to play, lace them up and go play. There are, these kids are you know, 16, 17, 18 years old. I mean, I don't think it has any impact on that at all. Um, if you're there to compete, then you're going to compete. If you're not, then you shouldn't be out on the court anyways. What are some of the games that you're most excited for in that Southern section pool play? There's so many good ones. In the open division, um, I think in, a more interesting game could be uh, Rancho Christian uh, hosting Bishop Montgomery. That's going to be Saturday. Um, Bishop Montgomery does you know, a great job with, with their team defensive scheme. They're a well-coached side. Uh, you know, Coach Doug Mitchell and his staff is going to have them ready to uh, play them against the Mobley brothers as best as any team's going to play against them defensively. Uh, so I think that might be an interesting matchup. Uh, Etiwanda Rancho Verde, another defensive matchup. That's going to be fun with Dave Kleckner and uh, Coach Brandon Baker there at, at Rancho Verde. I think that comes down to which one of the guards between Cameron Pierce of Etiwanda and Jackson Turner of Rancho Verde has the best offensive game. Um, I think it's probably going to be you know in the in the mid fifties maybe high 40s, I think that's the, the final score. But those two games uh, on paper really stand out to me in that first, that first pool play. And we saw Bishop Montgomery take on Rancho Christian way back before the season at Harbor College, and that was kind of cool to yep. get a little sneak peek of that game just when the guys were getting back into shape. And now to see them meet in the open division, that's great. Looking to the other pool, you got Sierra Canyon and then Corona Centennial, St. John Bosco, Modern Day. So, of course, Modern Day, Sierra Canyon, that's the big game Friday. We're going to get a modern-day St. John Bosco rematch. We all remember how that game went down with Bosco winning at home. And then Corona Centennial, they've lost twice to Rancho, Rancho Christian, but I don't think that you know they're going to be an easy team to beat either. So I think that side is really interesting as well. 
yeah, I think anyone can beat anyone on that on that side. Sierra Canyon, obviously the most talent laden team in that pool. Um, but again, Corona Centennial, they lost Sierra Canyon earlier this season, played them played them strong, but they play so fast and shoot so many threes that they can compete with anybody. They if they hit a lot of their threes at a high percentage. Um, any game's going to be interesting. Modern Day, again, another another team with a, a good team defensive scheme going up to Sierra Canyon on Friday. Um, they have a, you know they have a chance to to slow the game down, run their offense, and they beat them at the Fairfax uh, State Preview in the summer. Remember, Devin Askew had a big game in that one, but obviously things change. You know, uh, Sierra Canyon has another piece and freshman Omari Bailey, who's very talented. Um, but that pool, I think, is probably the most wide open that really anything can happen. And so even with St. John Bosco, they have a great head coach in Matt Dunn, one of the best in, in the state and in, in the West Coast, in my opinion. Um, obviously, they're without Jonathan Salazar and another piece, Christian Estrada, who was having a big year for them. Uh, he broke his leg. But, again, like they're super well coached. Uh, they have a bunch of guys who aren't superstars, but they're role players. They know their role and they play hard. So those are gonna all, I think those are all going to end up being interesting games in that pool. Yeah, that modern day Sierra Canyon game at Fairfax. I also was there. I forgot that you were there too. That was a really great yeah. one. Uh, Askew was awesome, and then I just remember Cassius Stanley for Sierra Canyon. He really took that one personally, even though it was the off season and technically didn't count. You know, when those two teams go up against each other, it's always going to be a a fun fun game. So I think in terms of those first games, the Rancho Christian one Saturday, and then the modern day Sierra Canyon one on a Friday will be awesome. Do you think there's going to be a surprise team? We talk a lot about Rancho Christian, Sierra Canyon, expecting them to try to, or kind of make it to that championship. Is there a team who you could see mix it up and maybe get to a championship, or even if they don't finish third or fourth and a team that'll surprise people? Yeah, this could bite me a little bit, but I think Bishop <laughs> Montgomery is, is going to be that surprise team. Um, they're seeded eighth, um, but they're not, they're not an eighth seed in terms of talent. They have two guards going to Division One: Gianni Hunt going to Oregon State, and Josh Vasquez going to Montana. And then they have just a whole host of really good, solid role players like Will Crawford, Nick Schrader. Um, and then they, they have Isaiah Johnson, who transferred in from Crean Lutheran, sat until December 23rd. Uh, now he's, he's playing. He's, you know, he's fully comfortable with the, with the lineup and style of play, and he adds another dimension because he's just a hard-nosed, 6'6", freak athlete who does what he's asked. So... Bishop Montgomery didn't play the best schedule. Everyone knows that. And that's kind of why they got dinged in the seeding. They didn't play in, you know, high-level tournaments uh, throughout the, the fall and winter. And, um, you know, the, the toughest tournament I believe they played in was the Westchester tournament. Um, and they lost to Westchester, but that was before Johnson became eligible. I think they're going to surprise some people just because, you know, um, you know they might sneak up on, on teams in, in, in their league, but um, – uh, Bishop Montgomery is as well coached as it comes, and they they got plenty of talent at every position. Are you worried about their offensive production at all? That when I've watched them this year, great fundamentals, great defense, but sometimes just the shot making hasn't been there. Does that concern you with them? No, I hear you all on that for sure. But in the playoffs, I think it comes down to defense. Um, and, and if you have a team who's engaged and locked in defensively, you can overcome those spurts of uh, minimal scoring. Like, like a lot of high school teams do. Um, but I saw them in their second-to-last league game against St. Anthony. Josh Vasquez had 28 points, and he was just absolutely on fire. I think if, I think if one of those two guys, if it's Josh Vasquez or Johnny Hunt, can be in that 
you know, 20 to 25 point range. And they're going to be fine against any team they face. Two more Southern section open division questions. First, I'll let you put on your scouting hat for a second. Is there a player in this bracket pool play who you think has the most to gain? Someone whose stock is really going to rise if uh, they do what they're capable of doing in these three games that they'll play? That's a good. That's a really good question. Yeah, and that kind of puts um, you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, no, no. I just yeah, just give me give me two seconds to run through my brain. I got a lot of got a lot of players up here. Out of the most, I think the least regarded team as far as prospects go in the field is Etiwanda. And I think Cameron Pierce, the junior point guard, has a lot to gain. He's, he has an offer from Cal State Fullerton, um, which is fantastic for him. I think the Big West level is a nice level, but um, I think he can play his way into that conversation as an elite 2020 guard in the state if he has a good showing. And then another guy on that team is a sophomore. Uh, he had a really nice summer and fall on the showcase circuit was Jemai Mayshack. Uh, he's a six, three, you know, gangly long wing, uh, extremely high IQ player. Um, and if he's hitting his shots, uh, from the mid range and three point levels, Etiwan is going to be really hard to beat. And he, he's a guy who at the end of the day, um, I think he goes, ends up going under the radar, uh, for some reason. And, and uh, it seems like a lot of Etiwan guys end up that way, but I think Mayshack ends up going under the radar and a lot of higher level schools are going to be wondering, you know, why didn't we take a look at this guy? Um, he's a really, really talented player. Yeah, Elijah Harkless comes to mind as a guy who's kind of overlooked a little bit. He wound up at Northridge from Etiwanda. One other yep. question for you, Devin, kind of putting uh, you on the spot here. Say Fairfax yeah. and Westchester were Southern section teams, and for whatever reason the open division field expanded to 10. Where do you think Fairfax okay. and Westchester would be seated if, if they were playing Ooh. in that division? I'm gonna do some math here. I think um, Fairfax would probably be Fairfax. three or four, right? Because or four because they four, lost to yep. Centennial. Yep, they'd be four because they lost to Corona Centennial at Damien. Um, yeah, so Fairfax at four, and I think Westchester. They beat Bishop Montgomery, so I think Westchester would be at seven. I believe they would be. I'm looking forward to the state playoffs when these guys will meet because I know last year Fairfax got to beat Modern Day, which was a crazy upset, and then Westchester lost to Etiwanda, which wasn't really surprising, but it was at home and. We'll get right. into all that in a little bit, but those cross-sectional games are, are, are so awesome. Let's go to Division One: Calabasas versus Crespi is a game that uh, I know you like, St. Anthony Alamany as well. So I'll ask you just kind of a quick preview on some of these games, and uh, who do you like coming out of Division One? Well, I like Chino Hills coming out of Division One. Uh, big O, I think, is just so big and so good and skilled and all of those good things, and he's a matchup nightmare for any team in that division. Like you said, St. Anthony Alamany is going to be interesting. I think whoever wins that game has you know, a nice little road uh, to make a run into the quarters or the semis, something like that. Um, but, yeah, I think Chino Hills is, is kind of the, the team to beat, even though they lost guards for Quan Davis. I still think if they feature Big O the way they have been all season, I think in D1 they're the team to, to beat. Do you give Harvard-Westlake any shot? Yeah, for sure, for sure, because um, – you know, Coach Rubibo does a great job, but they have the size to compete with Chino Hills, right? Yeah. They have six ten Mason. They have six ten Mason Hooks, who's a brute, and also you know coming around as far as the skill goes. And then uh, Truman Gettings, who is uh, playing well beyond his years as a sophomore, but he's you know six seven, pushing six eight. He's strong as nails too. And then Johnny Juzang, obviously, is one of the better you know junior guards in the country, so he he can carry a team offensively. And then you have uh, the front line of of Hooks and Gettings and 
I think that could take them a long ways. In Division Two A, Colony is the one team that I think has yeah. the, you know the clear cut favorite. You, you look at that whole list; it's them, and then kind of every other team is on a different plane. Do you agree? It's kind of theirs to lose in that division. Yeah, and especially now because Cedric Gottman is playing so well at the right time. He recently committed to Pepperdine, a great recruiting job and identification by uh, Lorenzo Romar and Coach Reggie Morris, the assistant there. Um, Cedric Altman is just he's just a, a winner. You know, he's, a, he's competitive. I think he, he loves to get out there and just kind of take people's heart and take their soul. And those are the kind of guys that you want on your team and on your side, especially in the playoffs. He's a high-level defender, high-level finisher in transition. His, his shot is getting better. That's probably his biggest weakness right now, but his shot is getting better. Um, when we talk Colony, I don't think we can uh, skip over the two sophomores, uh, Brent Napper, 5'10 point guard who is extremely talented, and then Denim Dawson-Jones who has as much upside as anybody in that 2021 class. I agree with you. Yeah, that team's great. I had the chance to check them out last Saturday at Pasadena City College, and they played a good Valencia team really well, ended up winning that game. I was impressed. Yeah, with and them. if we want to, if we want to talk about great defensive coaches in Southern California, Jerry DeFabis has to be in that conversation. Division two double A, yep. Devin, is loaded. You got Camarillo, yeah. both Notre Dames, Heritage Christian, Rancho Cucamonga. Could go on and on and on. Valencia, who I had talked about earlier. Wow. I, I don't really know what to make of, of that field. It seems like there are a lot of teams who could compete in the D1 playoffs. Just some thoughts on that bracket and uh, some of these games early on. Yeah, I think one of the games that stands out to me when I first looked at that bracket was Sherman Oaks Notre Dame on the road at Temecula Valley. Now, a lot of teams haven't seen Temecula Valley because they, they don't come um, you know on this side, on our side of the 15 very often. Um, but they're extremely good. They're led by a guard, Garrett Schaefer, uh, a big center, Christian Walton, who's a, you know, kind of a brutish guy at 6'6". He's, he's super tough. Um, but again, you have two talented players like Zaire Williams and Julian Richwain. Um, if they're on, I think Sherman Oaks Notre Dame advances. If, if one of them is you know, not having their usual solid game, I think they, you know, I think it comes down to the wire because Temecula Valley executes really, really well. Thank you for that update because I think you mentioned how Temecula Valley, we don't really see very much of them. I totally agree. If Just on paper, I probably would say, all right, Notre Dame, the, the two guys you mentioned, Zaire and uh, Julian, they'll have a great chance to advance in that first-round game because I, I think you're right. A lot of people kind of just look over Temecula Valley, so that's a, a good shout-out right. there. Is there a yeah, team? In Camarillo. Yeah. Camarillo, obviously, I think you know uh, they're the top seed in that division. Um, they've been having an interesting season. You know, they, they upset modern day at the Rolling Hills prep, uh, state preview classic at Cerritos college. And Jaime Jaquez has been brilliant all season long. He's averaging 30 plus points, you know, borderline double digit rebounds, uh, going to UCLA for a reason. I think people underestimated how good he really is, you know, that, because they're another team that doesn't really come out here and, and play in tournaments like that very often. So we don't get to see Jaime as much as, as we would like to, because he's, you know, he's extremely talented. So a guy like that can put a team on his back, especially if he can go for 40 or 50 any night, and he's proven that he can do that. Is that your team to beat in that division? I think Sherman Oaks Notre Dame is still my team to beat. Um, so even though they have a tough first-round game, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Because, again, they have the road game because they played in such a tough league, the Mission League. Um, when you're going against Loyola's and Harvard Westlakes and Chaminades and uh, teams of that nature every single night. I think that prepares you for the playoffs. But again, the negative side of that is 
similar to an Orange Lutheran in the Trinity League, you finish at the bottom of that you finish at the bottom of that that league, and you're on the road in, the, in, in your first game. So that's the positives and negatives of playing in a tough league. Is number one, you have you know big game experience, but you have to go on the road in the first game of the playoffs. Um, I think with again with guys like Rich Wayne and Zaire Williams, um, two star players, I think it's tough to beat them. A few other questions for you, Devin, and thank you so much again for uh, joining me. In terms of lower division teams that you think uh, deserve some time on this show, just give me a couple of the, the smaller schools that you think will make runs in their divisions. Oh, let's see. I, you know, Newport Harbor is not a small school, Division II AA, uh, but I like them a little bit. Um, they play really well together. Uh, you know, good offense. They have a really talented point guard in Sam Barella uh, and a, guy, a couple guys who do – you know, do what they need to do to, to get W's. And that's, that's the key in the playoffs. Um, three. So I, I'm looking at three double a as my first game uh, Friday, which will be uh, St. Francis at Marina. And I like St. Francis a little bit, uh, you know, coach uh, Todd Wilson, obviously is one of the better coaches in Southern California. And Andre Henry is a great player. Dennis Flowers is a great player. So uh, unfortunately I'm going to have to, pick them to make a deep run at the expense of my alma mater, Marina High School, <laughs> um, in Division Three AA. Uh, but, yeah, I think in Three AA, that, that, that's who stands out to me the most is, uh, is St. Francis. Again, in the Mission League. Uh, <laughs> played in the Mission League. Uh, I believe finished at the bottom. Hit them or Alamany. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, you play in that tough division, you're ready for the playoffs. I agree with you, and they almost didn't make the playoffs, so I'm glad that right. they, they get an opportunity. In terms yeah. of the city section, it's Fairfax is to lose, right? I think we've seen enough evidence of, of that, and they're the the best team to go on and, and make a state run at that high level, correct? Do you give Westchester any chance to kind of get back into things? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough to bounce back from that. You know, two-loss season in league, you know, and, and beat somebody for a third time. Uh, but again, it's hard to also beat a team you've beaten three times. So the Fairfax-Westchester rivalry obviously is one of the greats in, in state and national history. So I think anything is on the table when it comes to those two teams. I think Fairfax has uh, more overall talent and a better scoring punch, I believe, uh, with Keith Dinwiddie making a huge difference after his transfer from Culver City. I think he had more than 20 points in their second matchup at Fairfax, if I'm not mistaken, in that win. Uh, yeah, so I think on, on the mental uh, uh, edge, I give it to Fairfax. But again, in rivalry situations like that, anything can happen. You've seen so many basketball games this season, Devin. Yeah. In terms of just lower division city section teams you've seen, are there any smaller city section teams? And they can even be Division One, but any, any teams uh, – from the city that you've seen that that have jumped out to you that uh, might not be getting the attention that they deserve? Uh, man, I mean, it's tough because, you know, Fairfax and Westchester dominate that so much. Um, we saw Elko against Rolling Hills Prep. I thought El- that was a pretty I like, good game. I do, I, no, I do like, I do like Elko. Uh, ben Todd has a solid season. Um, they got a couple of nice pieces, and they, they play really hard. Uh, Birmingham, you know, Coach Nick Halleck does a great job there. They have uh, – Hopefully, Alicia Cofield can get back from his injury uh, and then be you know, 100% healthy to help them out to the playoffs. Uh, the two sophomores, David Elliott and Corey Cofield, are very good. Um, 
you know, Narbonne is interesting because they didn't start their season until like, you know, mid-December. So I, I think on their, if you look on their max preps and their record, they've only played like 19 games. So do we, do we really know how good Narbonne is? You, you know what I mean? Like their, their sample size is so small and coach Anthony Hilliard always has those guys ready to play. So who knows? Maybe they could be one of the, one of the surprise teams in the city section. Yeah, I think if Narbonne was able to knock off uh, Fairfax, that would be one of the biggest upsets of all time. Hey, but you're right. Yeah. You but never know, man. Who knows? <laughs> you, you, you never know. Uh, we'll come, get you come, out. come state, that could be interesting. Yeah, certainly. We'll get you out of here. Two other questions. I'm going to put you on the spot for the final time, I promise. Yep. If uh, these awards were regular season awards in Southern California, you have a coach of the year, player of the year, just give me some thoughts on those awards. If, say, everything ended today, who would you give it to? My coach of the year is Matt Dunn at St. John Bosco. What he's been able to do after losing Jonathan Salazar to that injury, uh, you know, in December, to keep, you know, earn that share of the Trinity League title with Modern Day, beat Modern Day, uh, and then, you know, make it to the Open Division after losing another player, and Christian James, the really talented point guard, hasn't been healthy uh, for, I mean, the last three weeks. Uh, what he's been able to do has been extremely impressive. So I think Matt Dunn, Coach of the Year, I think. Player of the Year has got to be Evan Mobley, just for his sheer dominance factor on both sides of the ball. Um, the number one team in the state, the best player on the number one team in the state is Evan Mobley. If I may, I'll give you my answer. Steve Bake from Fairfax, yeah, oh yeah, coach for me. And then I, I've tweeted this out, pick. so I, I can't prepare it. And then I, I think Jared Lucas at, at Los Altos. I know the competition they're playing against night in and night out isn't really the greatest, but the, the scoring that he's been able to do is uh, incredible, and he got his number retired during the season. So <laughs> anytime you yeah, can do that. Jared, Jared, Jared's a fantastic player, and he's just a bona fide scorer and competitor. The thing I like about Jared is, um, yeah, I mean, they're clearly going for the record, but he's, I mean, he literally gives it his all every single time he's on the court. Um, and he just, he, he plays his tail off and his teammates are rooting for him. And that, that shows up, uh, you know, that, that he's has that leadership quality about him that you need. Uh, if his teammates are, are, you know, getting him the ball when he needs it and where he wants it, uh, it means they, they respect him. And thank you for sharing your picks. I, again, I know I put you on the spot, but I, oh, yeah. I, I think it's always I interesting. Love on, I love being on the spot. I okay. love being on the spot. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's always interesting, though, just to hear guys who have covered so many games and who really do know what they're talking about a- answer that question. Finally, Devin, we'll get you out of here with this. From our listener, Chris Garcia, he was nice enough to tweet in a question. He said, in the playoffs, what matters more, coaching or talent? I think it has to start with the talent. Coaching can bring you over the top, but talent's more important, right? You, you go with, with what you got. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, I mean, if you're trying to win, obviously having talent is great. But again, if you don't have the proper coach and the proper, you know, preparation and the proper schemes and, you know, a, a coach who can, I think, I think there's two layers to this. There's a coach who can prepare and there's a coach who can adjust mid-game. And I think having talent is fantastic, but if you don't have a coach who can adjust mid-game if something goes wrong – Say a talent, say talent gets injured, right? Uh, you lose your best player. You've got to have a coach who can, you know, make things happen on the fly, make decisions that, that are going to put your team in the best situation to continue to win. So I think, shout out to Chris for this question. Uh, I think that coaching, especially in-game coaching, is is more important than talent. All right, wow. So I here I was saying talent all the way, and you feel differently. Hey, you can you. you 
you're more than welcome to, to pick whatever you want, but I'm going against you on this one, man. We we agree. We agree on quite a bit, but on this one, we do not. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, that's, I think that's <laughs> fair. Uh, I guess we're kind of looking at it differently because, of course, you need players to, to achieve, but you're right. A, a yeah. coach is in those in-game situations, say talent goes down or say the other team's doing something that maybe you didn't expect, you need the coach to bring it over the top. That was Devin Ugland, hoopsbyugland.com writer and scout. Devin, thank you so much for previewing the playoffs. I will upload this tonight. We'll get it out, all these takes. Make sure people listen, get people motivated, ready to go. And uh, it's playoff time, man. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Anytime, Connor. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.